Chapter 10 of Letters on an Elk Hunt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Carroll. Letters on an Elk Hunt by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart. Chapter 10 The Tooth Hunters. At Sorensen's Cabin on Green River. Well, we're here, warmed and fed and in much better trim bodily and mentally. We had mishap after mishap coming. First the Hutton horse, being a bronco, had to act up when he was hitched up. We had almost more game than we could haul, but at last we got started, after the bronco had reared and pitched as much as he wanted to. There are a great many springs, one every few feet in these mountains, and the snow hid the pitfalls and made the ground soft, so that the wheels cut in and pulling was hard. Then, too, our horses had had nothing to eat for two days. The snow being so deep, they couldn't get at the grass, hobbled as they were. We had got perhaps a mile from camp when the leading wagon with four horses driven by Mr. Haynes suddenly stopped. The wheels had sunk into the soft banks of a small, ditch-like spring branch. Mr. Stewart had to stay on our wagon to hold the bronco, but all the rest, even Mrs. O'Shaughnessy, gathered around and tried to help. They hitched on a snap team, but not a trace tightened. They didn't want to unload the game in the snow. The men lifted and pried on the wheels. Still the horses wouldn't budge. Mr. Haynes is no disciple of Job, but he tried manfully to restrain himself. Turning to Glenholt, who was offering advice, he said, You get out. I know what the trouble is. These horses used to belong to a freighter and are used to being cussed. It's the greatest nuisance in the world for a man to go out where there's a bunch of women. If these women weren't long, I'd make these horses get out of here. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy said, Don't lay your poor driving to the women. If you drive by cussin', then cuss. We will stop up our ears. She threw her apron over her head. I held my fingers in Jerrine's ears, and she stopped my ears, else I might be able to tell you what he said. It was something violent, I know. I could tell by the expression of his face. He had only been doing it a second when those horses walked right out with the wagon as nicely as you please. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy said to Mr. Haynes, It's a poor cusser you are. Sure, it's no wonder you hesitated to begin. If Danny O'Shaughnessy couldn't have sworn better, I'd have had to help him. We got along pretty well after that. Mr. Haynes kept some distance ahead but occasionally a bit of cussin' came back to us, and we knew he was using freighter tactics. The game warden lives in a tiny little cabin. The door is so low that I had to stoop to get in. It was quite dark when we got here last night, but Mrs. Sorensen acted as if she was glad to see us. I didn't think we could all get in. A row of bunks is built along one side of the cabin, a long tarpaulin covers the bed, and we all got upon this and sat while our hostess prepared our supper, 
if one of us had stirred we would have been in her way so there we sat as thick as thieves when supper was ready six got off their perch and ate when they were through six more were made happy mr sorensen had caught the tooth hunters on the wall hung their deadly guns with silencers on them to muffle the report he showed us the teeth he had found in their possession the warden and his deputy had searched the men and their effects and found no teeth he had no evidence against them except their unlawful guns but he knew he had the right men at last he found their contract to furnish two hundred pair of teeth it is a trick of such hunters to thrust a knife into the meat of the game they have and so to make pockets in which they hide the teeth but these fellows had no such pockets they jeered at the warden and threatened to kill him but he kept searching and presently found the teeth in a pail of lard he told us all about it as we sat an eager crowd on his bed a warden takes his life in his hands when he goes after such fellows but sorensen is not afraid to do it the cabin walls are covered with pen and ink drawings the work of the warden's gifted children vina the pretty eighteen-year-old daughter and lawrence the sixteen-year-old son they never had a lesson in drawing in their lives but their pictures portray western life exactly the snow is not so deep here as it was at camp but it is too deep for the horses to get grass the men were able to get a little grain from the warden so we will pull out in the morning and try to make it to where we can get groceries we are quite close to where elizabeth lives but we should have to cross the river and it was dark before we passed her home i should like to see her but won't get a chance to mrs sorensen says she is very happy in all this round of exposure the kitties are as well as can be cold camping and elk meat agree with them we are in a tent for the night and it is so cold the ink is freezing but the kitties are snuggled under their blankets as warm as toast we are to start early in the morning good night dear friend i am glad i can take this trip for you you'd freeze eleanor stewart end of chapter ten